today. We're going to look at Luke's account of the resurrection, but we're going to do it from a perspective that's going to be very helpful for everybody here. One thing you should know about Luke is that when he wrote about the life and ministry of Jesus, he did it with an interest in historical accuracy. I think that's worth noting for us today as we look at the resurrection that Luke wasn't just content to write down the details that had been handed down, but he wanted to investigate it for himself. He, he was like an investigative journalist. So when you read Luke's account of the Gospels, he, he includes all sorts of information that others don't. He's got the names and facts and figures, specific details. He, he also includes historical figures. He includes the names of places and history. He includes dates. All of that is easily verifiable. And after looking into all the details, he writes not only to convey the gospel message, but he writes to establish the historical credentials to assure his readers of its validity. But it's the way that Luke writes that's so interesting to me, because Luke writes in retrospect. Here's what I mean by that. He, he doesn't write as someone who's experiencing these things firsthand. He's, he's writing from the perspective of where he is now, looking back at the life, ministry, and resurrection of Jesus, and looking at that, how that applies to him today. This makes Luke's gospel incredibly relevant for you and for me. So where we're going to read from, it's, it's one of the quintessential Easter passages. You can find your way there in your scripture now, Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 1. At this point, Jesus was crucified, he's been buried, and it's Easter morning. And the women who've been supporting his ministry for some time, now they're headed to the tomb. So starting in verse 1 of Luke 24, it says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. That tells us that these were angels. Actually, like one translation, because it said they appeared in dazzling clothes. Just makes me think of Easter. Anybody wearing some dazzling clothes today? It says, in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. It's fascinating to me that the gospel is presented in the context of a question. The very first time it's presented, it's presented in the form of a question. And the question that the angels ask the women today is really the question that I want to ask you. I'll, I'll paraphrase it, though. I won't say, why do you look for the living among the dead? Let me just ask you this. What are you looking for? What are you looking for? That's the title of this message. Even though it's Easter Sunday, I know we've got a lot of note takers in this church. It's good to be a note taker. Studies show you're more likely to make it to heaven if you take notes. So I encourage that. What are you looking for? I want to share with you for a few moments some thoughts around this question, what are you looking for? Because I don't think it's just a question that the angels ask the women. I really believe it's a question that God wants to ask you today. What are you looking for? Now, being asked questions is something that I endure on the daily because I've got four children, three of them that I love. <laughs> I love all my children, but if you're a parent, you know, like, 
Sometimes your love manifests less on certain days for certain children, depending on which one is asking me the most questions. And my kids ask me all sorts of questions. They ask me the craziest questions, strangest questions. The other day, Oliver, my middle son, just out of the blue, he asked me, Dad, what is interstellar space travel? I don't know if he's reading a comic book or, or what. And I said, I don't know, but I know Matthew McConaughey did a documentary on it, so let's watch it. <laughs> Maybe we'll discover it together. Grant's my youngest son. His questions are a lot simpler. He just asked me, Dad, will you buy me this? And my answer is always the same. No, go ask your mom. Uh, Reese, though, Reese is my oldest son. He, he asked me questions more to, like, verify facts. So... This is a true story. One time I picked him up from school and I said, hey, how was your day? And he was telling me, I was like, aren't you going to ask me about my trip? He said, wait, you were gone traveling? I was gone for 48 hours. He did not even notice the fact that I was not in the house. But by far, the child that asked me the most questions is my youngest child, my daughter, Pippa. She's six years old. And with Pippa, it's funny because it really doesn't even matter what question she asks. And it doesn't matter what your answer is. She is going to answer the question herself, whether or not you answer her. And if you answer her and she doesn't like your answer, she's going to tell you that you're wrong. That's just what she does. It's, my kids ask me so many questions. Now I'm just like, you know, it used to be go ask your mom. Now it's just go ask Alexa because I don't even know the answers anymore. Sometimes we'll go on road trips and they'll want to play this game, 20 questions. I don't call it a game. That's just parenting. Your kids ask you so many questions. They wear you down. But it's fascinating to me that the first thing the angels say to these women is a question. Because if we're honest, most of us approach the resurrection with some questions. I don't know what your questions would be, but sometimes people approach the resurrection with this question, did it actually happen? That's why Luke wrote the way he did. He, he wrote with such specificity so that you could know, you could trust this account. Sometimes people, your question might be a little broader than that. He, Maybe your question is, is there life after death? And that's what the resurrection shows us, is yes, there is life after this life. That's why Jesus came, so that we could have life. Maybe you've grown up in church or maybe you've been exposed to church before. Your question is a little different. Maybe you just wonder, okay, what does the resurrection mean to me? I just want to recognize that the resurrection is filled with questions, but the questions that the resurrection poses isn't questions of its authenticity. The question of the resurrection is really about our approach. It's really this question, what are you looking for? If we're honest, all of us are looking for something. In fact, even just the reason you came to church here today, you came hoping to find something. Maybe you just came looking for some help. You've been dealing with the stress and pressures of life, and you were hoping that by coming to church today, you, you would get some answers. Maybe you came to church today just looking to check a religious box. I did it. came to church. I'm good for a year, at least until Christmas. I'm good. Maybe you came to church looking for forgiveness. you dealing with the weight and consequences, pressures of sin, and you came in need of freedom. Maybe you just came to see this building. You've been driving past it. Somebody invited you. It's like, it's going to be people there. It's a good cover. I'll blend in. Whatever reason you came, I'm not trying to suggest any of those reasons are bad reasons. I just, 
I'm, I'm glad they brought you here. I just want us to recognize that all of us approach the resurrection looking for something. What's funny to me is that these women, they weren't actually going to the tomb, though, expecting a resurrection. If you read in the text, the reason they were going, they were just trying to take care of their dead rabbi. That they're still reeling in this moment from the shock and the trauma of everything that has just transpired because they had dedicated their lives to this mission of proclaiming the kingdom. And now they're dealing with something they never expected to have to deal with. So they go to the tomb. They're taking these spices that they had prepared. They get there, and to their surprise, the stone is rolled away, and the tomb is empty. And the first thing I want to point out to you from this encounter is that as long as we're looking for the wrong thing, we're always going to end up in an empty place. Looking for the wrong thing always leads us to an empty place. Now, keep in mind, the angel asked him this question, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He asked them that like they should have known. And in some ways, they should have. I mean, Jesus repeatedly and explicitly told his disciples that this is what was going to happen. But they weren't looking for a living Jesus. In this moment, they weren't looking for life. They were looking for a body. And I just want to point out to you, it's not like they had ill intentions. I'm telling you, whenever we're looking for the wrong thing, it'll lead us to an empty place. But it's not like these women had wrong motives. They just had the wrong mission. It's not like they set out to sabotage themselves. From everything we can find in this text, what it tells us is that these were good women. They were compassionate. They were hardworking. They were generous. They were caring. They were committed. But they were looking for the wrong thing. And looking for the wrong thing caused them to miss the main thing. They're looking at a miracle, but in this moment, it didn't look like a miracle to them. It looked like a problem because now they have to find the body. Now, what are they going to do with all these spices? Now, everything that they've prepared is worthless. Now, all the time they put into this is wasted. On top of dealing with all the stress and pressure they were dealing with, now they have all these other thoughts that are running through their mind, like, did somebody steal the body? Do we need to fear for our own lives? What's going to happen? And I wonder, I wonder how often we set out with good intentions, but we end up in the wrong destination because we're concerned about something that's ultimately unnecessary. Like, sometimes my family and I will take road trips. It doesn't happen very often, but when we do, I have this one tradition that if we take a road trip, we stay the night somewhere, the next morning, it's tradition, we always have to stop at Cracker Barrel. You can like it, you cannot like it. It's our thing. We're, we're going to stop at Cracker Barrel. I remember this one time we were taking this trip, got a mission to stop at Cracker Barrel. We navigate there, we drive around. It takes us to an empty field. Nothing there. This can't be right. I'm checking it out. We drive around again. There's nothing there. It made us three hours late for our place that we were supposed to head, just, just traveling around trying to find this place because I am dead set on a Cracker Barrel. And sometimes the things that we think are important 
aren't really that important. You know, we can get sidetracked with empty pursuits. And what I want you to know is this. You'll never find life as long as you're chasing dead ends. I want to give these women some credit, though, because at least when they got there, they didn't let their doubts keep them from moving forward. See, there's something really significant happens in verses two and three. I don't know if you noticed it, but it says that when they got to the tomb and they saw that the stone was rolled away, they weren't content just to stay there, wonder what happened, stay stuck in their distress, stay stuck in their disappointment. It says in verse three that they entered in to find out for themselves. And here's why that matters. Because insight doesn't come from staying outside. Insight doesn't come from staying on the outside. What I appreciate about these women is that they knew an empty tomb was worth looking into. Because some things, some things don't make sense as long as you stay on the outside. Can I be real clear with you? I'm glad you're here today. But if you have never entered into a personal relationship with Jesus, if you're here just kind of on the outskirts, on the outside, there are some things that are not going to make sense. It will not make sense why someone can sing a song and have tears streaming down their face. It won't make sense to you why there can be people so excited about a victory that they didn't win. It won't make sense to you how people can serve and sacrifice and give for weeks upon weeks upon weeks, just working to create a moment where God is glorified and people can encounter the gospel message. It won't make sense if you're standing on the outside. And I'm concerned that some of us try to approach the resurrection by staying on the outside. Some of us have not had a personal relationship with God yet. We've had a faith that's handed down to us, but we haven't had a faith that we've owned. And what I admire about these women is that they were willing to step inside and see it for themselves. There are some things that you have to see for yourself because a faith that you don't own is a faith that is not authentic. Just like they entered the tomb, you have to enter into a relationship with Jesus because you can look at something from the outside and not really see what's there. Physiologically, this is true. I don't know if you realize this, but physiologically, our eyes have a blind spot where, where the optic nerve attaches to the back of your eye. In each eyeball, you have a blind spot. And there's ways you can kind of experience this for yourself. If you have one eye closed and you try and focus on something, you can Google it. I'm not going to take time to explain it to you, but it's true. Your eyes have a blind spot. And it doesn't matter how much you try and focus with that one eye, because of where that optic nerve is attached, you will not be able to see in that spot of your eye. Well, how do you overcome this? Well, with both eyes open, your brain is able to fill in the missing data so you don't notice that blind spot. Well, what's true physically is also true spiritually. We can have something right in front of us and not be able to see it for what it is. And the way you overcome this is by getting another perspective. Paul talked about this when he wrote to the church. He said, we need to fix our eyes, not on what is seen, 
but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. In other words, the default way we see is broken. And the way we fix this is by focusing our eyes on some things that are not natural seen. Now, I'm not talking about natural eyes. I'm talking about spiritual eyes. I'm talking about the eyes of your heart. If you are just looking at the way a situation is, you're going to miss it. Here's what Paul is saying. That first impressions aren't always the right perspective. First impressions aren't always the right perspective. See, from the women's initial impression, this was a failure. The initial impression, this was a waste of time. The initial impression, this was a tragedy. This was a disappointment. Truthfully, sometimes following Jesus looks like a disappointment. If you're looking at the wrong thing, if you're focused on the wrong thing, we already talked about all the work they had done. They, they were carrying these spices. What we know from historical context, even scripture tells us that the customary traditional amount of ointment and spices to embalm a body would have been between 75 to 100 pounds. So picture this now. They've done all the work of procuring and buying all of these spices and ointments. They've done the work of preparing it, mixing it together, getting it ready, packaging it up. They've carried it this distance. This is not a lightweight. They get there, and once they get there, they're not able to do what they set out to do. Notice this. Sometimes following God looks like walking away from what you've been preparing for. But here's what Easter shows us, is that first impressions aren't always the right perspective. Because to look at this one way, it looked like death. To look at this one way, it looked like the end. To look at this one way, it looked like defeat. But it was actually a victory. It was really the beginning. In, in truth, it was the fulfillment of his purpose. See, the good news about Easter is that the risen Jesus gives us a new perspective. You might be facing something that's really difficult right now. Can I tell you, in Christ, it's not what it looks like. This is something I know really well because I, I know it well because the way I give gifts. See, Marissa's birthday, my wife, her birthday's coming up soon. I tell you it's coming up soon. It might be accurate to say that it's coming up exactly a month from today. I know that because I have it written down in the Marissa manual. It's a little notebook I keep of all these things I need to remember about my wife. But it wouldn't really be right to say it's coming up in a month because my wife has this idea that her birthday needs to be celebrated an entire month, not just one day. I mean, Jesus only celebrates one day, but I mean, who am I to say that my wife shouldn't have a birthday that's bigger than Jesus? But her birthday's coming up. So really, it's like two weeks, and I've been preparing. I have to prepare because you got to understand, like, when my wife has a birthday, she goes all out. Like, it's, it's crazy. If you come to our house, there's, like, streamers, there's balloons, there's elaborate presents, wrap, decorations, all sorts of... It's like Party America and Pinterest had a baby at our house. <laughs> and I know, like, when it's her birthday, I can't compete with that. Like, I can't wrap presents that well, and I can't, you know, get creative with decorations. So I have to get creative in other ways. And and what I'll do is, like, sometimes I'll, I'll try and surprise her. So I'll, I'll get her something, like maybe I'll get her jewelry, but I'll put it in a shoebox because I want to surprise her. Or like, like for Christmas here, I, I bought her something really big, but instead of like wrapping it big, I took a picture of it and put it in a really small box because 
I didn't want her to know I got her something big. And I've been doing this enough. Like sometimes I will put a good gift in a bad box. And I've been doing this long enough now that Marissa has learned that the package doesn't have to be pretty for the gift to be good. And I wonder how many of us are missing the gift because we don't like the box. Sometimes the gift looks like death. Sometimes the gift looks like disappointment. Sometimes the gift looks like betrayal. Sometimes a full life looks like an empty tomb. But if you can't get past how it's packaged and how it feels and how it seems, you'll miss the gift. Because what the resurrection shows us is that every dead end has the potential for a fresh start. Every dead end has the potential for a fresh start. Maybe like the women in our text, what you were looking for has brought you to a dead end. But the power of the resurrection shows us that in your life and my life, every dead end has the potential to be a fresh start. See, the empty tomb is really about a new point of view. To see your life from the view of the empty tomb is to see a life that is full of hope. To see a life from the view of the empty tomb is to see a future that is full of possibility, that is full of forgiveness. To see your life from the view of the empty tomb is to have an outlook about tomorrow that it's going to be good, that God has good things in store. And if you feel like what you've been looking for has brought you to an empty place, you're here today carrying the weight of shame. You're here today dealing with the fallout from your failures. You're, you're here today in a place you never expected to be in. Here's the good news. You don't have to stay in that grave situation. Because Jesus rose from the dead, be, because he rose from the dead, it means that in Christ there is forgiveness for your failures. It means that in Christ there is mercy for your mistakes. It means that in Christ there is salvation for your sin. The empty tomb is our reminder that in Christ, even dead ends have fresh starts. So what are you looking for? What strikes me in our text is that what these women were looking for isn't what they found. Yet, what they discovered was so much better. Maybe that's why the angel asked him this question. He says, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Maybe... Maybe he wasn't trolling them because like, that's how I read this. Like they get there, they're hurt, they're distressed. And it's almost like he's just adding insult to injury. Like, why didn't you know this? Maybe that's not what he's doing. Maybe he's pointing them to life. Because if you really look at it, he's not telling them to stop looking. He's just pointing them to a different perspective. And that's really what I wanted to do for you today is to point you to a different perspective.
Maybe, maybe that's why Luke wrote the way he did. Maybe that's why he wrote in retrospect. Retrospect just means that after you've gone through something, to look back and get another perspective. So let's review what we talked about. Easter shows us that looking for the wrong thing leads us to an empty place. We can set out with good intentions, but still wind up at the wrong destination. And when we find ourselves in that place, we need to remember that insight doesn't come by staying outside. Could be that our current standpoint is an indication we need to move forward because first impressions aren't always the right perspective. For what Easter shows us is that every dead end has the potential for a fresh start. I'm not sure what it was you were looking for when you came in here today, but what I'm hoping that you find before you leave is life. To put it plainly, I hope you find life in Christ. And if you're here today and you have never entered into the relationship that God has for you, a relationship with his son, stepping across the line of faith, stop staying outside of the empty tomb. It's my privilege and my honor.